Hey friends, I can't believe tomorrow is Easter and I can't believe how different Easter is going to look tomorrow. I think it can be hard to look at a time that we celebrate as such victory when we're living in such an uncertain time. This has been something that I have been talking about, not just with you, but also with a good friend of mine. You know, we talked a couple weeks ago about how to cultivate during quarantine and how do we make what matters happen while we're at home. And we started discussing there are so many signs that God is still here. Even last week, we talked about how every day is a victory and how it's important for us to point out those victories so they don't blur together. But how do we do that in celebrating Easter, a holiday that is so close to so many of our hearts, but there are also so many traditions involved that are close to our hearts. So I'm going to bring in someone special today, and we're just going to talk about why this Easter is just as victorious as the last one. Hey friends, I'm Cassie, and I'm a married Spoonie who lives the chronic illness life. Here each week, I'll challenge you to live intentionally and authentically, where every spoon you use has a purpose and every step you take matters. Welcome to Chronically Cultivating. All right, so you have met her once before in a podcast a couple months ago, but I am really excited to have you here today, Mara. Hi, everybody. Thanks, Cassie, for having me on again. Right now, I'm sitting in my sun porch, which is two houses down from my BFF, and it's been really sad not being able to see you, but Zoom has been our our other BFF, I guess. I know, right? And yeah, so just take note, we are practicing social distancing, um, you know, and even how we're recording this right now, but yeah, I will say the temptation is much greater when you're only two houses away. When someone's like 45 minutes away, it's not nearly as tempting. Yeah. And um, friends, when I was talking about my seeds that were sprouting a couple weeks ago, those are seeds that we actually have planted together. So we have been watching this happen from each other's houses, and it has been really neat to just see them bloom and just see how God is still moving right now in this season. Agreed. So as I said, I'm sitting out on my sun porch and that is the room in my house that gets the most natural light. Obviously it's the sun room. So I am currently surrounded by lots and lots of potting soil and lots of itty bitty tiny seedlings. It is so beautiful out here. And I just love coming out here in the morning and seeing all of our little seedlings either poking just a little bit up from the dirt and other ones who have been growing a lot faster. It's been so amazing to see how they have changed over the past, what, three weeks since we've had them? I think so. We planted them the day before quarantine officially started. So yeah, I think it has been about three-ish, maybe more weeks. You know, what I think has been so neat is we, we made a lot of mistakes last year when we started planting seeds. We, we made a lot of mistakes. And I think it would be fair to say we made so many mistakes that we used up all of our mistakes from last year to carry into this year. 
And as we were planting, you know, we were expecting it to be quite some time before the seeds started popping up. And that was not the case this year. No, I also second that with the many, many mistakes <laughs> done last year. Um, yeah, last year was definitely a bummer. We did not get the turnaround that we wanted. And with like the three seedlings that did make it, when we tried to transfer them, they they passed away. <laughs> Sad. Uh, but this year, I want to say it was not even seven days before we saw the first little sprouts poking through the dirt. Let me preface by saying that we had three full seedling trays. So that would be well over 120 seedlings. Am I saying that right? I think so. Yeah. So we have a lot that were sitting in my sun porch to stay warm and get the best natural light. And yeah, just... Seven days later, we started to see those poking through the dirt. That really was such a nice thing to see. That was my, I think, fourth day of quarantine when I saw those poking through. I think, Cassie, it had been your, like, seventh or something. Mm-hmm. You know, these seedlings have literally been with us since the start, and they are flourishing, It is so cool to see that. But not only that, the fact that they started with us during this time of quarantine and they're still growing. And I think that's like the key point of all of this is that we for months had our day planned that we were going to do seeds. This had nothing to do with, we need to do it before we start quarantine. Like this had nothing to do with that. This was something that we planned I'm pretty sure all the way back in February. And we said, okay, on this day, we're just going to spend the whole day together and we're going to do it. It's going to be so fun. And that was our plan. And that is what we did. Um, We had no idea when we planned that date that that was going to be the last time we would be able to go out anywhere and do anything. So to start seeing them sprout, I don't remember if it was something we mutually said or you said it to me or I said it to you. But we kind of all of a sudden just made, like, we were just taking note of the fact that, like, these are sprouting so fast. And we kind of came to think about just in a way, like, whoa, God is still here. Like, it was such a sign of hope. And it's exactly what you said. They're still growing and doing great things, even three weeks in while we've all been in quarantine. That's not to say that you know, all of a sudden we are miraculous gardeners. Um, There is one miraculous gardener. (laughs) And I will not be the first to tell you that I do not have a green thumb. We have lost a couple of seedlings along the way, but not as many as last year. And so we're taking that as a victory. Let's stem that from your last podcast, Cassie. I know. Yeah. If you were here for the last episode, we talked about celebrating every victory. And this was something that I did long before quarantine. Um, It was something that I started doing solely because I just felt like all my days were blurring together, having to be at home and not being able to work and go out places. And it has served me very well. It allows me to see that there was one victory from each day, even if my month was spent 
at home recovering or wherever it was, one victory happened each day. And if you want to hear more on that, you can head back to the last episode, which was 34, to hear me go really in depth into how I did that. But I think what's important to note too is when we're thinking about victories, this time of year, we think about the biggest victory, right? Which was, you know, Jesus being risen. And I think it can be challenging for all of us as people of faith to navigate this time because the things that we are used to and how we expected this to go is definitely not going to go how we thought it would this year of 2020. That's where we have spent a lot of time reflecting and talking just together as friends about how do we still worship and serve him well on this day, even if we can't be in church? We talked about in Cultivating Quarantine, you know, how to just be worshiping him and actively thinking of ways we can do that. But I think there's something that really has to be said about Easter as a whole. Yeah, for sure. Cassie and I have talked about this extensively over the past couple of weeks with just this idea in the back of our head that, you know, quarantine might not be done by the time Easter is coming. What are we going to do if it's not? And now that it's here, it's surreal to know we are not going to be going to our places of worship. And some of us are not going to be able to be with our families Mm -hmm. for this pivotal moment in our faith traditions. You know, if you are a Christian or a Catholic, the resurrection, the the Easter Triduum and everything leading up to it, this is what makes our faith. Mm -hmm. This is what sets us apart from our historical, you know, family members of the Jewish people, you know, for obvious reasons. And so not being able to celebrate this with other people or in the traditional ways that we do, um, that really shakes up our faith a lot. But Kathy and I were talking about historically, this is exactly what it was like for the very first Easter. Amara has a really unique perspective as well, because last year she was in Israel. So I think two years ago, or two years ago. Yeah. So I think you have an even more unique perspective on what this was like when they experienced it as a whole. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. It, first of all, if any of you listening have been to the Holy Land, oh my gosh, so cool, right? But if you haven't, I would definitely do some research into going, or if not going, just look at the topography and the general area of Israel and Jerusalem. It's not what you think. I have had the blessing of going over to the Holy Land, and it was for a spring break trip my senior year of college. So, you know, just thinking timeline, spring break would have been in March. And then the first thing that we celebrated when I got back from my spring break trip was um, finishing out the Lenten season and then moving into Holy Week. So Easter was the first big liturgical celebration that I celebrated since coming back from the Holy Land. So that had just a profound impact on me. Um, I had been able to have the blessing of climbing actually up to Golgotha, where they crucified Jesus. 
I put my hand down into the hole that they lowered his cross into to, you know, make it stand up. Uh, I walked down from Golgotha. I got into this really long line, which I'm sure was not there during the time of Jesus. And I walked all the way around and was able to actually sit inside the tomb where they placed his body. And like, I don't have the proper words to describe what that is like. Um, It was small. It was cramped. And no more than three people could fit in there at a time if you were, you know, scrunched up in a ball. So the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead in that little tiny tomb, that had a profound (laughs) impact on me. I mean... I'm kind of claustrophobic, so if I were to wake up like that, I think that would be my worst nightmare. But this is the foundation of which our faith was built on. And going off of that, the following day, we went and we visited the upper room. That's where the apostles and Mary had quarantined themselves for days since Jesus' death via the cross. They were scared and terrified to leave for fear of persecution. And that is extremely similar to the life that we are living right now. We are quarantined and some of us in complete fear of leaving our house, you know, because we'll get this virus or we'll pass it on to somebody who will not be able to fight it. Um, You know, that really has just been sitting in the back of my mind that we are going back to this first Easter being quarantined, sitting in our room, our house, even out on the deck, you know, just scared to go out into public for obvious reasons. But in that quiet, that is when Jesus chose to raise himself from the dead. That is when God did that. And I think what's so unique about all of this is the thought that's really been running through, you know, our minds for me, it came about in a quiet time that I was spending just a few days ago um, with the Lord. And I was just kind of like, it was almost as if I was having that conversation where, you know, like you imagine the enemy on one shoulder and like God on the other shoulder, or to be honest, I imagine like Emperor's New Groove, like both the Kronks arguing on each side of your shoulder. You know, it's kind of like what I was thinking of in the moment, but I was getting one of those thoughts of why should you even celebrate Easter? You can't go to church. You can't do anything that you normally do. You can't go have brunch with your family. Like, is it worth celebrating? And then, of course, on the other side of my shoulder, I'm hearing, of course, this is worth celebrating because this is not about you. None of this is about you. This has nothing to do with you. This has everything to do with me. And if you have everything stripped away, are you still going to worship me the same? That was what led us to having so many conversations on this that we decided we had to come on here and share this with you because we know we can't be the only ones wrestling with this thought. So if we take away the church services, the in-person fellowship that you gain from that and communion, and you take away the Easter baskets and maybe Easter egg hunts and brunches with your family or Easter lilies and palms and all of those things, is he still just as victorious this year as he was last year? And the obvious answer is yes. 
but it can be really hard to see that even though this is how it's supposed to be and this is what we need to do and God's going to give us the strength, this isn't what we want. And Mara had made a really interesting connection to this, as you know, something we've been talking about with quarantine is that ultimately quarantine is a short-term goal for a long-term outcome. And we don't like to think of the short-term as months and months and months. We like to think of the short term as days or weeks, but especially in this time of, you know, Netflix binge watching, like short term is watching a whole season in one day. Yeah. And so something that was really interesting that you had made an awesome connection with of just how, you know, when Jesus died for all of us, in a way, that was the short-term goal for a long-term outcome because that was not what the people were expecting of Jesus. They were not expecting the way that he was going to do things. He knew short-term not moving in the ways that he did in the past to like essentially win a war. He was going for the long-term to save all of creation and all of humanity. And I'll let you kind of go into the details on that, but it is a really profound connection to this whole, we're trying to live a short-term goal for a long-term outcome. Yeah, this is something that I'm definitely considering as a divine intervention. I do not come up with these ideas on my own, for sure. Um, God is so good with that. But I was thinking and reflecting on this the other day. I was watching a movie called The Exodus. I think it was made in like maybe like the 19... 60s or 70s. I don't know. Very corny, very cheesy movie that tells the story of the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt. If you are unfamiliar with that story, there is a lot of different moments where God directly intervened to save his people. There were different plights, different plagues, even the parting of the Red Sea so that the people, his people, could walk across on dry land to escape the persecution of the Egyptians. I don't think that I could tell you a time where something like that has happened to me, (laughs) where I go to the ocean and I say, open! And I put my rod and staff down into the sand and the ocean parted and the people walked across. No, that doesn't happen in those bigger ways, at least that I can think of off the top of my head. But historically, this was a God who was performing these huge miraculous deeds that was directly showing his or rather his people's importance to him, him with a capital H. Mm -hmm. And so the Jewish people leading up into the time of Jesus, they had this as part of their childhood. They were reading this in their synagogues. They were learning about this at temple. You know, this was a God who would strike you down if you were bad This is a God who would victoriously lift us up in a matter of speaking. So because of that, they had this image of God coming to save them as a traditional king. They knew of a king or rather an emperor at the time, and that was the emperor of the Romans. 
they see him, you know, covered in battle armor, you know, all of the propaganda of your typical emperor. I mean, think about, you know, how you picture the Romans at the time. Anybody who was a higher up was extremely wealthy. They had servants, you know, large places to live. Um, and they had lots of power, so much so that they conquered basically all of the known world at the time. That was astronomical. And so having this idea of what a good king, a good ruler would be, that's who they were expecting to come to save them. But if you read the Gospels, and if you know anything about the story of Christmas, that is not what happened. God chose to reveal himself as an infant, as a baby. He came through to us during child's birth. Not only a dangerous time for both a child and a mother, but also an extremely miraculous experience. And I think that that is especially important to recognize because even though that's not what the Jewish people wanted, that's what they got. And ultimately, that led to Jesus being crucified and being raised. And again, that is the pillar of our faith. That is what sets us apart from all of the other faiths. Not a God who smites, not a God who is wiping out people just to save his one chosen people, but rather a God who sent himself to us so that he would be persecuted and crucified so that he could save everyone, not just his chosen people. And I think that is the literal epitome of a long-term outcome. You know, I think it can be so hard as we're all sitting here is this was not the way that we wanted things to go. Just like all of those people felt when Jesus died, that was not what they wanted. That was not what they were expecting. And I am sure that there were people who, I know that it seems like everybody wanted him crucified, but we know that there are people that didn't and did not want that to happen, but Jesus knew that that was what needed to happen. But I'm sure there were people that mourned when he lost, not just because this wasn't the king that they wanted, but because this wasn't how they expected God to do things. And I know myself that there are times that I believe that God is going to give a certain outcome. And I am just like, here we go. This is going to be it. I'm all for it. And maybe he answers that prayer in a different way. And still so often before I'm ready to rejoice in what he has given me, I'll stop and go, yeah, like this is okay, but this still wasn't what I wanted. There's so many things right now where we can go, Lord, this is not what I wanted. This was my senior year. This was not how I wanted to spend it. Lord, I was supposed to get married right now. This is not how I wanted to spend it. Lord, this was going to be the first time that our family was all together for Easter. Whatever it is, like this is not what I planned for, but there's got to be something greater. And that is the hope that we can have. I can't sit here and say, and I, I doubt that Mara could sit here and say to you either that we know exactly what's going to come of this quarantine and what God's going to do with it. Because right now we don't know. We're in that same place 
where the apostles were thousands of years ago. And we get to go, all right, God, what are you going to do? And how can we be a part of it? How can we serve you? How can we worship you well, even when we don't understand and we are scared and life does not look at all like how we imagined? This is a time where I know for so many, and I know Mar and I are taking great advantage of this, is just how do we use this time to connect with God and worship him? And we've spent more time studying his word and and leading to just really find out who he is and who he's called us to be in this time. We don't need Easter lilies or big brunches, even though those are the things that we would love. Yes. We don't need them to still remember that he is victorious. You know, in John 16, 33, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. I feel like when he said those words, they are exactly if he was here, what he would say to us right now. Mm-hmm. I read them and it gives me chills because I feel like he is saying them to me in this moment. I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And it just leaves me speechless every time. It's so cool to know that God is sitting with us right now. He has come to us in the form of a human. He has metaphorically dumped himself down so that he knows what we're feeling. He's God. He knows everything you know, confess your worries to him, be with him in just the simplest ways, because he comes to us in those quiet times. Again, going back, those apostles were terrified and sequestered in that upper room. You know, they just saw their best friend be killed in front of them in the most torturous way known to man. Of course they were frightened. I would be. But in that moment of fear In that moment of quiet, that is when he chose to raise himself from the dead. And that is when everything changed. This moment of quiet, in this moment of fear and uncertainty, don't you want to be here and trust in him so that we can find out what's next? Because I'm sure it's going to be good. Yeah. And I think something that's so neat as well, this just was something that popped into my head. Again, I know Mara said it earlier so beautifully, but we really do not take credit for these ideas. We know that our time with God and God has really given us these ideas and these thoughts and these moments of peace in our heart. And we hope that they bring peace to you in all of these things. But when you were just talking about that, when they were sequestered, I started thinking about the difference between the apostles, you know, when they went up to go take care of Jesus and they were the ones that found him. The apostles were not the ones that found him first, because I'm sure it would have been much easier for them to just say, there are going to be guards up there. We know it. I am too grief stricken to even go and take care of his body. I am too afraid to go out or whatever it was. And they said, you know what? He may not be here in the way they expected, but I'm still going to honor him and worship him. And they had the greatest joy of all. They were the ones that were told, like, he's risen. 
he is alive. Like, go tell everybody. Like, let them know. And when I look back on this years in the future, or I'm telling my own potential kids about it, or most likely Mara's kids about it, because we both know I'm probably not going to have kids. But regardless, um, (laughs) you know, what I think is super important to mention is just like, I want to be able to say that I was someone that decided to still worship even when it didn't seem like there was anything to worship. I want to be able to say I was one of those people. And we have a choice to make this Easter. We have a choice tomorrow to say, I don't have any of the things that I thought I would have for Easter. Or maybe you're even isolated on your own. You aren't even living with family right now, or you are in the hospital and life just seems so uncertain. And you're just saying, Lord, there doesn't feel like there's a victory here. I don't feel victorious today, but rest assured he has overcome the world. He is victorious. He wants us to know this so that we would have peace when things like this threaten to take away the victory that he's already given us. Amen. Something that I thought was really cool that Cassie had brought up earlier too, was that God calls us to use what is at hand. And I had never really thought about that before, but it is so true. She brought up a couple of different points in the Old and New Testaments where God has called that person to just literally use what they had in their hand at that moment to preach his power. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've talked about it, I think, in a podcast or two before. We specifically talk about it in episode, I'm pretty sure if you're trying to look back for it, it's 32. But um, the whole thought was, what do we have in our hand right now? And we think about Moses with his stick and parting the Red Sea, or you think of Miriam and her tambourine, or we think of the little boy that just had the few fishes and loaves to give to Jesus that he multiplied. God wants us to use what's in our hand time and time again. There are so many more examples than that, that in scripture, God shows us he can use what we've got. And I think this is a perfect time to look at our hands and say, well, what is in them? What do we have right now? And how can we use it for his glory? I think that is such a profound thought especially now, you know, what do we have in our hand? Physically, I don't hold the internet, but we have the internet. Uh, Cassie and I are filming or recording rather via Zoom. I mean, like everybody raise your hands right now if you've been using Zoom recently for college classes, high school classes, meeting with friends, like it's everywhere. Um, It's just unbelievable the amount of platforms that we have right now to connect with people, to learn, to just continue on with life when we can't physically be out there in the world right now. I think that is just an unbelievable advantage that our generation has. Obviously, it does come with some caveats with the endless amount of streaming capabilities that we can do with that too. I'm not saying that if you watch Netflix, like you're not getting anything done. Like I watch Netflix. I think that it's great. Um, But it's also how you choose to then interact with others and, you know, have those connections with people. Um, Because ultimately, if we're looking back to biblical times, yes, the apostles were quarantined 
in an upper room, but they were quarantined with each other and they were able to be with each other physically and talk to each other about how they were feeling. I'm sure they were doing that. I'm sure there was lots of tears. Um, same with the women who went to the tomb. They were with each other physically. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now we can't be with each other physically, but we need to continue to support each other. We need to continue to check in and be present because this is how we're going to be present in this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's really, really important. Yeah. And, you know, anytime that we do a podcast, we love to give you guys practical tips. And these are some great ones that we've already shared working on how you can be present. Being present looks different for everybody. You know, something that we've worked really hard on is looking at those little victories and choosing gratitude. And I think one of the most important things to even go back to is you were just saying like, what is in your hand? Well, in the time of what happened when the apostles were in quarantine, we know a lot of what was going on and what happened in all of Jesus's life because it was recorded it was written down. It's something that we long to read because it is so intriguing to know what happened, to know what they were thinking and dealing with, like what was going on when Jesus was here on earth after he left and all of those things. That is why the Bible is so important. And something that I had thought of recently was this is the time to be writing down what's happening. There are going to be people years from now that are just going to go, oh my goodness, how did they do Easter without being able to go to church? And how did they do Easter without insert all the different things that Easter brings? How did they do that? And how did they feel? What did they do in this time that they were quarantined? I want to be able to say like, this is what I did. And it may not look super productive or it may look too productive, but this is what I did. This was what God told me to do in this time. And for each one of us, what we do and how we spend our time in quarantine is going to be different because we're all different people called to different things. But the thing that we are no for certain that we are called to is to live in the victory that Jesus has given us, no matter where we are, no matter what circumstances of any kind. And As people of faith living in the U.S., we don't experience the same type of persecution the rest of the world is dealing with. And I think this is a way that we are all being forced to learn how to share who Jesus is when all of the easier things get taken away. This is such a big opportunity for that. And I encourage you as you're listening to know that tomorrow is still going to be a great day and he is still here. He is still victorious and there is still so much that you can do to honor him right where you're at with what you have in this present time. Amen. Well, friends, we are going to get going and probably check on our windowsill gardens and then we are going to get our day started and we are going to get ready for tomorrow to celebrate just as victoriously how jesus rose from the dead happy easter everybody all right we love you all and just remember he's told us these things so that you may have peace in him in this world you will have trouble but take cart because he has overcome the world with mick delivery Get your favorites like a juicy quarter pounder, golden fries, and crispy chicken McNuggets. Ordering is easy. Choosing what you'll eat first, not as easy. 
Every day at McDonald's, share a classic Big Mac pack with two Big Mac sandwiches, two medium fries, and a 20-piece chicken McNuggets. Get it with McDelivery or mobile order and pay. Price and participation may vary. Delivery prices may be higher than at restaurants. Delivery fee, service fee, and or small order fee may apply. Get it contactless with McDelivery. Keep the devices in your home protected from Wi-Fi threats with Xfinity XFi. If it's connected, it's protected. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Switch to Xfinity today and get a great offer. You'll get fast speeds and the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with Xfinity XFi. And now you can get advanced security for free when you get the XFi Gateway. That's a $72 value per year. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit an Xfinity store to switch today. Restrictions apply.